This is episode 585 of the AWS podcast, released on May 11th, 2023. Here at the AWS podcast, we really do love to get your feedback. One place you can do it is off the podcast page where there's a button that says submit questions and feedback, and you can record audio and send it to us, which is pretty cool. We do love to listen to it. We love to share it when you give us permission to as well. Please give it a go. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the official AWS podcast. We got some exciting updates with AWS Smart City. The city of the future is smart. Many governments around the globe are racing to infuse technology into just about every aspect of city operations, water, energy, waste management, transport, you name it. I'm Hanwin Lockeran, also known as Han Solo, your friendly neighborhood co-host of the AWS podcast, and I'm joined by two launch partners of the AWS Smart City Competency today, Steve Avery and Pazu Kanix. Welcome. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Han. Great to be on the podcast uh, with yourself and Alex, and hello to everyone. My name's Steve Avery. I am the head of the competency for Smart City and Digital Twin at a company ARQ, our group, which is part of the NCS global organization. My background, just briefly, is consulting. I've been in consulting for over 25 years, and I have a passion for data, particularly data science, data engineering, and digital twin. And uh, that's uh, really helping from a background perspective for this very exciting program that we have with Amazon. Thanks, Han. Thank you, Alex. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, my name's Alex Peschkanics. I'm the director of strategy and policy for Vianova. Vianova focuses on unlocking the potential of mobility data to make uh, smarter decisions for cities and others in the transport space. My background is actually as a as a policymaker and, and former uh, recovering civil servant mostly focused on those things that were neither traditional transport planning nor transport engineering, but things that sat somewhere in the middle. So shared, electric, autonomous, connected vehicles, uh, the transport of the future. Uh, So excited to be here chatting a bit about uh, where we're headed. Wow, that's super cool background you guys got. So so from what we're seeing, uh, the World Bank says over 50% of the population lives in urban areas. And by 2045, the world's urban population will increase by 1.5 times to 6 billion. So as a technologist, we need to consider how we can help build efficient, innovative, inclusive, and most important, sustainable cities of the future. And today, we will deep dive on the AWS Smart City Competency. AWS Smart City Competency was launched in October 2022 to give customers access to highly specialized, trusted AWS partners with verified and repeatable customer success. And you can leverage the latest technology to solve strategic mission-focused challenges such as improving efficiency of utility services, enhancing transportation systems, optimizing management of social and strengths of citizens' engagement. And these essentially drive economic growth, accelerate and optimize, reform, and improve the quality of life for their citizens. So this is amazing. And I love how you're joining from, I would say, the tale of two cities, if you will. So let's talk a little about this smart 
landscape and each region. So Alex, you know, what is smart city landscape like in like France and Europe? I mean, I would think it'd be thriving. So can you tell us more about the customer's demand and trends? Yeah, I think uh, within Europe, there's an incredible appetite for wanting to make better informed decisions using technology, leveraging technology around sustainability, accessibility, uh, around the priorities of uh, a more sustainable uh, urban environment. But I think a lot of cities find that they are perhaps data rich, but insight poor uh, or intelligence poor where there's a silo in the way that the information is available and presented, and moreover, that it can be difficult to make decisions and act on the data. So where we sit is really trying to make sure that there's some uh, standard resources and standard ability to make decisions using that data. Uh, it's interesting, Europe is you know one market in many respects, but it's also 20 plus in, in other critical ones, especially when it comes to the built environment, the physical form, right? Weather, cultural patterns, uh, there are distinct differences in the way that people get around across Europe. And we uh, have tried to develop both tools that are standardized across the cities that we work with, but also bespoke solutions to recognize the, the individual personalities, let's say, of the different urban environments around Europe. Steve, going on to the other side of the world where uh, my partner in crime, Simon, is located in Australia, in Melbourne specifically, um, where are we on those smart city? I mean, is there room for growth in this area on the other side of the world uh, for me uh, uh, in Australia and New Zealand? Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Han. Uh, what we're seeing in Australia and New Zealand is probably not unique to other parts of the world, but we're certainly seeing uh, growth and activity at public sector and both enterprise. Um, if we look at public sector, geographically, obviously we're very dispersed. And so we have major cities now in Australia, uh, cities such as Perth, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, all looking at how they use smart city technology, IoT censoring, capturing of data through video and, and doing the analytics. And as Alex said, it's, it's looking at the intelligence that you can gather from this information, and you can use that for sustainability, such as carbon tracking. You can use that for security applications. We're seeing many, many use cases come through, and big cities have big events. And so one thing that we're certainly seeing, and, and I would say that New Zealand is also quite advanced on this front in cities such as Christchurch and Auckland and, and Wellington, where major events do take place, the cities are looking at modeling and simulation. And so they're using the smart city approach and the technology underpinned by Amazon to achieve this. Uh, we, for example, have the Commonwealth Games coming to Melbourne in 2026. And that's coming to Victoria, where Melbourne is, and that will be a regional event. And so the modeling that will be done and the simulation activities that will be done to help with the tracking of people, amenities, emergency services linking up, it's all extremely important. And as Alex points out, it's a very clear link to sustainability. So, and certainly, to answer your question, the appetite is there and the growth is there. Uh, the spend at a global level is huge on smart cities. IDC are reporting that that's over $180 billion forecast for 2020. Now, that would include a lot, including infrastructure. But yes, certainly, the activity is high. It's keeping our teams very busy. Our head office is Singapore, and Singapore, of course, is considered to be the smartest city in the world. 
Awesome. Well, speaking about cities and the people who live in there, now let's hear a bit more about your customers. You know, what problems are you trying to solve for your customers? What are you hearing from them? Uh. It's interesting because most of our customers are the cities themselves, right? The the policymakers, the decision makers at a city level. They are using our, our tool to collect, uh, receive information from private sector partners, primarily shared mobility services, for example, bike share, car share, scooter share, moped share. These services are generating significant amounts of data. We're using our tools to ingest that data, uh, to distill it into the core elements that are useful for policymakers to make decisions and act on. And then in the opposite direction, the city clients, the city customers that we work with, are generating new rules, policies, regulations, and communicating those back out. So we see our our platform as an exchange, right, between the private sector and, and the public sector. And it's interesting, many of the cities that we've started working with are quite large and complex, places like Stockholm or Zurich or Helsinki. And there are typically a process where the first question cities have is, you know, how many bicycles are there out on the street today? Or what are the most popular origins and destinations? And gradually you start building through a process of asking more complex questions and trying to fill more complex use cases focusing on infrastructure design or regulation and accountability, or eventually uh, sustainability and the long-term operational validity of shared mobility as a, as a mode. And so it's been interesting to work with these cities that have, in many ways, divergent backgrounds, divergent uh, experiences, but perhaps similar challenges. And for example, you know, working with several cities early on during our time in COVID, right in 2020, 2021, many cities were exploring the possibility of adding temporary cycle paths to make it easier to, to travel sustainably. Cities were relying on data that we provided that was able to demonstrate kind of a real world distribution of how people are traveling today using a bike share and, and scooter share that in the past would have to be done by a, you know either a sophisticated model or a traffic count, right? People out there at the intersection counting the number of bicycles that, that go past. With our tool, they're able to have that data, that information available quite accessibly and act on it quite quickly. All right, what about you, Steve? Yeah, thanks, Anne. Uh, that's fascinating, Alex. And we certainly see some parallels to the use cases that we have in Australia and New Zealand. In our region, we are very large geographically. And in, in many parts, we are short of water. And in other parts, we have excess water. Uh, this creates challenges. So what we are seeing is that the water utility organisations are embracing digital twin and smart city in in a very big way. Our clients are using this technology to do things such as uh, reviewing the quality of water. We do a lot of water recycling. So Melbourne Water, which is one of the iconic water organisations in Australia, has actually come up with a, a mechanism whereby using this technology and using our team have been able to review and detect early uh, quality issues when it comes to recycled water. So that's extremely important. This is all public sector driven. And so it is very important for the community for such a large water wholesaler to do this. Also, we're seeing other customers such as Vic Water do things such as vibration analysis of massive underground pumps. And, and this is important because this is giving predictive analytics for maintenance crews so that they can work out when to maintain. 
And what this does, it lowers the cost of maintenance. And so one of the big drivers for doing things with smart city and smart utility and digital twin technology is to help lower cost, help make things more efficient. Uh, this obviously hits bottom line from both public sector and enterprise, but it's extremely important. The really neat thing is that as we build the models for smart city and smart utility, they learn and they grow. And so they improve over time as more and more data is made available. One of the really cool applications and use cases that we're currently involved in with Melbourne Water is real-time video analytics from drone surveillance footage hovering across their assets, their major dams, and looking at foliage, looking at changes in the landscape, looking at potentially issues for concrete aging. Uh, these are, again, very important things to help the, the lowering of cost and to help improve the services that these major water organisations uh, bring to the community. Just in addition to that, I, I mentioned earlier the, that Smart City is really bringing itself into the cities, major cities such as Melbourne. Uh, in the city of Melbourne, there's activities that are underway that are again collecting a lot of data. Melbourne University is a good example where Amazon have been very involved for the last two years to create a smart precinct on the campus. And this helps again for lowering of cost as it collects information on lighting saving, helping to monitor activities, helping with security. And, and again, these are one of the many use case examples that we see for smart cities. I think in total, we've counted 40 different possible use cases that we can uncover thus far. But our, our team works actively to keep finding them both across enterprise and public sector. That is astonishing with how you can deploy the drones in the area to gain insights for predictive maintenance on the city's infrastructure, which is pretty cool. So smart cities could be a vague and complicated concept for some public sector customers. So how do you help them take that first step for a digital transformation, Steve? Yeah, good question, Han. We find that, firstly, our customers are quite well educated on this topic. Their knowledge is, in many cases, uh, quite strong. They have specialists. They, in some cases, have departments that are across the technologies for smart city, smart utility, and digital twin. What that means is that the conversation can get started quite quickly. But certainly what we do focus on is, depending on the client, enterprise or public sector, uh, a level of understanding and education around their business and as it relates to the adoption of this technology. At the end of the day, it boils down to simplifying it as, as much as possible to a use case, which is going to deliver particular results that will achieve the customer's objectives. We focus on this. We do this through workshopping. We have delivered nearly up to 10 now smart city and digital twin styled projects across this region. And we build knowledge, we build IP and accelerators. And so our solutions are very tailored to the particular use cases that, that the clients are seeking. Uh, we find this to be effective. Uh, we also can deploy quite quickly in terms of doing trials and proof of value. So going over to you, Alex, do you have any specific programs for your smart cities customers in Europe that could be replicated in other parts of the world? Yeah, I think that the solutions that we've we focused on specifically around transportation and mobility management have a lot of application outside of Europe. The reality is Europe is in many ways on kind of the leading edge, especially when it comes to sustainability and focus on kind of the, the decarbonization of the transport sector. And so we uh, we hope, we imagine, we believe 
that the tools and the solutions that we've designed around mobility management have a lot of application in these other contexts as well, uh, North America, Australia, New Zealand. For us, I think the the challenge of having worked very early in so many different markets, right, the Swedish market, the Italian market, the UK market, has actually been a strength to the resiliency of the tool because it allows us to understand the various nuances, let's say, in the use cases, right? The idea of curb management or a sustainable transport may be translated slightly differently in these different geographic contexts. And for us, that's been actually really helpful to make sure that we've got a tool that's resilient for the right regulatory environment, resilient for the right kind of governance framework. That's been especially true when it comes to, to GDPR and, and sort of the privacy aspects of collecting data that could be personally identifiable under uh, certain circumstances. And so making sure that we've built a GDPR compliant apparatus will enable us to transition well to any market as a result. That is truly game changing. And I'd like to understand a little bit more about what's under the hood, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about the architecture and technologies that you're using for smart city solutions? Yeah, thanks, Han. We have had a, a rich history with Amazon uh, going back for over 10 years now. What this has meant that as AWS, Amazon bring new services, cloud services to market, we review them, we embrace them, and we take them to our clients. And certainly in the last year, we've seen an acceleration uh, from AWS when it comes to these technologies that support smart cities. There's literally 20 new services that uh, have been launched as part of this program in the last year. Uh, so the global competency has taken advantage of that. And so we at Arc Group, uh, part of NCS Next, you know, being a global organization, we have many ways to bring the skills into our teams, but we, we do certainly immerse ourselves in that. We bring these technologies to the clients, uh, we workshop with our clients, and we, we build the use case based on the Amazon cloud services such as TwinMaker, IoT Sidewise. So they enable the use case, they bring the results. They allow our data scientists to build the algorithms, which typically smart algorithms, closed loop, and they learn and they grow. And the, the neat thing about the Amazon technologies is that it's plug and play and they're, they're compatible. Uh, they can ingest a variety of data sources at a platform level. They treat that data and they report on that data. So whether you're reporting on water quality or something that's coming from a drone or you're doing something that's related to energy management in a city, there, there's certainly a variety of ways in which the data can be presented to the stakeholders and they can act on that. So we find this a very effective way to work with our customers. So follow a question about TwinMaker. TwinMaker makes it easier for developers to create digital twin on real world systems like building a factory. So this must have been very useful for you when you crafted this architecture, is that right? Yes, certainly. TwinMaker, has many components which allow you to extend this technology to various use cases. We've certainly found in the eight projects that we have delivered this to be very reliable. Uh, we get great support from Amazon in, in doing this. Our team's always working together to, to solve the customer problems, uh, do the architecture, produce the plans, and then deliver the projects. It's, it's very important that as we deliver these projects, that the customer is on the journey and, and the customer is reviewing the quality of our work. And what we enjoy in the Amazon world is the level of high standards and compliance. Alex mentioned this early in terms of the, the governance and the regime that we work in now 
it requires high compliance, particularly around things such as data security, particularly when you're referring to personal information. So these things are critical and important in terms of the scale and robustness that you can you can bring to the, the set of customers that we are serving. So in terms of elasticity and scale, like what are the type of scale do you have when, for example, you have all these data coming at you or in there, right? What are some of the API calls and parallels that you're able to achieve or what architecture did you use to ingest all that data coming at you? Well, look, when it comes to scale and Amazon, uh, I think our customers and ourselves are in a fortunate position. Whether it's a single instance or whether it's a single cloud service or a multi-cloud service, multi-tenancy, or you can completely scale up to a complete data lake, the the connectivity allows the scale on uh, Amazon Cloud. We haven't hit any barriers thus far, and, and we have had some very large, massive petabyte platforms that we have had uh, data ingesting taking place on. Uh, for one of our customers, the premier water company, Melbourne Water, we have built a unified data store, which is in fact a very large data lake based platform on Amazon. And that will ingest the data. Uh, It will use a variety of data warehouse technologies to treat that data. And then that data is reported on. The the architectures are what we call patent. So the best practice patent that we produce is what we look at as a well-architected Amazon platform. And again, with the technologies that Amazon are releasing under the Smart City and Digital Twin program, they have great compatibility. So the scale has not been an issue for us. We've been able to meet the the demands of the use cases here. Gotcha. So Alex, how are you leveraging some of the continuous integration and building out that CIC pipelines to scale out in a secure manner, especially with Smart City? Yeah, I think one of the key advantages to the the architecture at this point, right, the the CI/CD pipeline means that we're deploying new features capabilities multiple times a week, and I think that gives us the assurance and the confidence to you know continue to make improvements and modifications while at the same time you know trusting the reliability of the the core service. I think the other thing that is really important for us in our work using AWS really is that idea of scalability, right? We're now at the point where, you know, I think it's it's somewhat unique for a startup of our size. We're we're running, you know, a thousand plus API calls in parallel, you know, all of these different markets, all of these different providers of data requires a complexity that we <laughs> want to make sure is working and scaling as we scale. And so from us, I think that the technical capabilities really are kind of enhancing that growth and making sure that we kind of can operate on AWS serverless to make sure that we kind of serve the customers at the scale that we are at today uh, and hope to be at in the future. I understand that you're using Lambda functions with your PostgreSQL as a backend store. And I think you're able to make about 1,000 API calls in parallel. Is that correct? That that's correct, and I think for us that gives us the the chance to make sure that clients are being fed real time or near real time data, which is really important for compliance use cases, for monitoring and enforcement of rules and regulations. That speed and the the kind of breadth of uh, the calls are critical. 
So going back to promoting sustainability, right? It's just one of the top priorities at AWS. And Smart City has a huge component of building sustainable space. So what are the efforts are you making on this front? So Alex, let's start with you. Yeah, so I think we uh, we genuinely believe that the data for data's sake isn't valuable, right? It has to be translated and oriented around the city's priorities. Almost every city we work with names sustainability as one of their top priorities. How they uh, effectuate that, right? How they make that real varies, let's say. But I think for us, it's important to be able to provide the insights and the intelligence for better decision making around sustainability. So for us, you know, we make sure that the governments that we work with gain a better understanding of how the ecosystem works today and are able to see in in quick uh, turnaround the effect of, you know, a new micromobility hub or a new intermodal connection point or a new cycle path. And that feedback loop is really important and frankly builds the credibility and the legitimacy for the government to make more decisions, broader decisions around achieving a sustainable outcome. You know, if the first 10 kilometers of a new cycle path are able to generate X amount of new trips and by extension, you know, Y amount of CO2 savings, one can only imagine kind of what can be achieved when that's multiplied tenfold, a hundredfold. And so for us, that storytelling element of the data is really important because all of the sustainability decisions that cities make at the end of the day need to be sold to their citizens, right? Sold to their residents. And I think data is a really critical part of that narrative. Definitely. Those insights are key in providing operational efficiencies to help drive that. So that's pretty cool. And you, Steve, how is the cloud helping the ARC group achieve sustainability? Yeah, the sustainability agenda is alive and well, certainly in our region. Arc NCS Next promotes actively a sustainability stance when it comes to the implementation of technology and solutions for our customers. And so what we're doing with AWS, with Smart City, Smart Utility, and, and the Twin Maker program is no different. So it's right across the board looking at the way in which a sustainable environment can be supported from this technology through the use cases. Whether this is electronic vehicles or scooters, uh, bicycles, the way in which the technology is deployed has to take this footprint in mind. Uh, There's no question that we have choices either because it's often mandated by government particularly that you, you need to have this. It's a key criteria when it comes to responding to tenders in our region. And so, you know, within our NCS Next, we, we have this as a, a very strong focus. We certainly see what Amazon is doing is taking a very sustainable approach as well and is really highlighting this across their solutions. We, of course, have a massive energy production taking place within our country, and this is leading to more discussion on sustainability. And again, the, the technology from a use case perspective needs to address these things well. That is truly groundbreaking. And so one more question. Since you're already working on building futuristic cities, can you talk a little bit more about the future of your futuristic cities? You know, what are some of the next steps of what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, look, the futuristic part of this is, in fact, being thought of right now. Um, certainly within NCS, based in Singapore, we see you know, amazing things taking place from a monitoring and control perspective, collecting data, you know, whether that relates to road safety or 
applications that relate to the airport or urban infrastructure with uh, IoT and sensor monitoring and uh, the, the way in which that can be weaved in with video analytics. It's, it's incredible that the number of deployments that already have very rich use cases. So we bring those to Australia through our teams. Also, what we're seeing in Australia is that there's already that these are government-driven activities to do amazing things from a digital perspective, whether it be the mapping of the Sydney Opera House or building a new smart precinct, which is in fact uh, taking place in Western Australia right now. It's at the very early stages, but the thinking is there and government is getting behind this and putting forward plans to build smart precincts and smart cities as extensions of what they're doing as they build new universities inside, for example, one of our large cities and looking at what the impacts are for transport and safety of the community. And then if you look at the link to enterprise, giving support to the mining industry, which is very large in Australia, and providing automation, robotics that are part of a smart precinct. These are becoming more and more the way in which we're having discussions with our customers. And we can only see this expanding. This uh, is really just the start of the journey. What about you, Alex? So... I think for us, one of the things that's obviously really important in what we do is gathering feedback and understanding from from our customers. And the reality is that the decisions that our customers are able to make using data around shared mobility management is one of the first, it's one of the first times that many cities are truly operating in a uh, data-informed, data-driven decision-making process way. And this has a lot of applications in other contexts, right? Often the data just doesn't exist or it hasn't been kind of made available to the people that are making decisions. And so from us, we've spent the last couple of months and we'll spend the next few as well, really building out a use case portfolio where our tools and our engine, which was being applied to perhaps these more narrow questions around shared micromobility, public transport, can start to be used for new and really interesting projects. For example, we're doing some work with several of the airports in France related to curb management, the pickup and drop off of curb access at the airport. Similarly, uh, with the city of Paris around the use of loading zones for commercial vehicles and deliveries. So taking kind of this idea of making decisions off of data, data that's typically generated on the private sector side, right? Not data that's native to the city, making decisions from it. This process, I think, is really exciting for us and frankly, really exciting for our customers, which makes me excited to do it with them. That is super cool. And I'm looking forward to it. So with that, there is a link in the show notes to the AWS Smart City Competency Program websites where you can easily locate verified and highly specialized AWS partners in smart city services or software you're looking for. So Steve and Alex, thank you so much for coming into the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you, Han. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Han. And as always, we love to get your feedback. There is a link in the show notes as well to submit feedback. And until next time, Keep on building.